You are listening to We Woke Up Like This. I'm Reverend Joya. And I'm Reverend Celia. And we We are loyal to loving and supporting soul awakening in every human being. On this episode of We Woke Up Like This, I am by myself and talking to you about the nafsha or your higher self and how to have access to it. Enjoy the show. Hello, lights and souls. This is Reverend Joya here, and I am flying solo today. I was away at a conference all week last week, and Celia and I have had a difficult time connecting this week because I wasn't feeling well when I got back, and a lot of people um, were showing symptoms of the virus that shall not be named. And I was also showing some symptoms, but I took those symptoms as my body's request to get a lot of sleep and rest and hydrate and not push myself. So I gave, I honored myself that way, but I wanted to get a podcast out this week because I'm committed to that. And I was originally going to read the second half of way of mastery by myself, but I figured I would wait for Celia for that. And instead talk to you about your higher self and what that is and how it's a real and vital part of you that you can be in touch with and be in communication with. And it has a language. And I'm going to talk about that in this podcast. So Yeshua called this aspect of you, your higher self, the nafsha. And that is spelled N-A-P-H-S-H-A, Nafsha. And he used it over 200 times in the original Aramaic language in the New Testament of the Bible. And the Greek interpretation, they took it to be soul. But in actuality, your nafsha is so much more than just your soul, which that word to me, and maybe it was just my Catholic upbringing, but it always implied something outside of me that I would never be in touch with or never get to know until I died. And that I was to live this life for this part of me that I could never be in touch with and never get to know until I died. And it seemed very ambiguous and very mysterious and very far away, very intangible. And now I've come to realize and recognize that my nafsha, my soulful self, is connected to me and that we all don't have a nafsha. We are a nafsha. So I have come to interpret, I'm going to describe my interpretation of nafsha as I've come to live my nafsha and allow my nafsha to live me. And then I'll get into some more technical descriptions of it. But for me, what I, what I feel like it means and what it is with all of my works and my studies I've done in spiritual psychology and mindfulness in divine science ministry, studying metaphysics at university of Sedona, that I've come to have this real clear feeling that what this nafsha is is this energetic particle of us that is derived from source. It's this energetic particle that has within it the energy of expression of your you 
So just like a apple seed has an intention, an energy implanted in that seed for the potential to grow into a branch, a stalk, a tree, and then to eventually flower and to create more fruit, that we have that same energy wired in us that calls us forward, that drives us into this expression of being, and that it is the driving force behind a spiritual awakening in the first place. And when we live with our heads chopped off, and in fact, one of my favorite artists did a self-portrait, and his self-portrait is only of himself looking down. So the self-portrait is only his torso, his legs, his stomach, his arms, because from the eyeballs, that's all we can see of ourselves until we look in a mirror. And that really is kind of an accurate description of the ego's <laughs> vision of a self-portrait because the ego sees everything from the outside in and takes the outside as what's real and as what fuels the self. And that's why we're driven by fear. And the ego is always driven by fear. There's no love in the ego. Well, there can be, but that's a different form of ego. But the ego I'm talking about is this ego that is the self-identifying ego that constantly is chattering away in the brain, telling you a story about yourself and how everything happening outside of you relates to the story you tell yourself of yourself. So we are all these self-validating mechanisms <laughs> that we really see what we believe. We see what we believe. We don't believe it when we see it. We see it when we believe it. And that is so true. So when we understand our, our neuro physiology of the head brain, where all of our senses are wired and connected to, right? That's where our, our eyes go into that head brain, our ears go into that head brain, our mouth goes into that head brain. All of the electrical impulses are generated in that brain down the spine through the nervous system for our sense of touch. But we have so many more senses than just the five senses that we've been taught. But these senses feed if we don't if we don't view life from the inside out we view life from the outside in and our senses are fueling and feeding our reality our perception of reality which is based on the story and the beliefs that we tell ourselves about what reality even means and we have this part of our brain called the reticular activating system that only sees what you want to see you only see what's important to you. You only see what's valid to you. And the brain, all of these neurons that we have in our brain, all of our brains wiring and firing only does two functions. It only activates, we have activating neurons and we have inhibiting neurons. And most of our neurons are inhibiting neurons. So that means that we have these things that are shutting off constantly, delete, is this relevant to me? So if we slowed it down, we look outside, we witness what we want to witness. We ask if it's relevant to us. Our brain says yes or no. If it's a yes, we notice it. If it's a no, we delete it, we shut it down. And I can demonstrate a perfect um, 
demonstration right now, which is just to ask you wherever you are to look around right now, take a moment and to bring your attention to everything around you that is red. Just take a minute here to look around and notice all the red things you can notice. And now without looking again, how many purple things did you notice? So that's a perfect, a perfect demonstration of how our brain is only looking for what we tell it to look for. And it's deleting everything that is not that, which is a great, wonderful mechanism that we have, because if we didn't do that, we would be constantly flooded with too much information and we'd be in overwhelm. So we're just deleting, delete, 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 delete. But knowing that is very important. And that's why changing your story of who you think you are is very important. Because when we identify ourselves as your name, your sex, your job, your role that you play, or your fears, your victim stories, then that's the reality that we're living life from. And the, the, the job of the body in reality is to be a housing mechanism for the nafsha, this divine expression that came from source. So we can also imagine that we are like waves in the sea. And I've heard this said so many times, right? Like we're drops of water in the ocean. And I never really understood it or could embody what that meant until I heard John Randolph Price, who is one of my favorite um, new thought teachers, but he's pretty recent. He's, uh, he's passed away, I think, in the early 2000s. But he said, God, and if you don't like the word God, replace it with source or the universe. And I'll say source because I like the word source. And he says, source is all of me, but I am not all of source. So in understanding that and feeling that, for me, it gave me such a, an understanding of like, oh, I get it. I get it. Okay. I get it now. And so really feeling that and knowing that source is all of me because I am of the source. I am a part of the source. I am in this ocean, this vast ocean of all that is. And all that is, is just one thing source that I am an aspect of that source. And that we as human beings, how beautiful we are gifted the experience of experiencing ourselves as individual and separate from source. And that we get to now extend and create forward from our hands. And who's to say that there's not a conscious intelligence in trees, which are also expressing forward or flowers that are also expressing forward and that we are also that, but we have this intelligence that says we get to participate. We get to choose what that expression looks like. We aren't wired to just be a daisy or to just be a rose or to just be a bluebird or to just be an apple tree or an orange tree. We're wired to get to be and express in full creation because we are created in the image and likeness of source, which means we are creators. We get to create. And so if you imagine that there's this triangle of creator, think of yourself, you're the creator. And then on one hand, you have the creative act, 
which is what you're doing, saying, thinking, and being in the world. And then on the other hand, you have your creations, what you're making, what you're creating. So when people say they're not creative, I just want to go, yes, you are. You are nothing but creative. Everything you're doing is creative. And creative needs to be reframed as manifesting. Manifesting is creative. You're making the invisible visible. You're taking an idea and bringing it into reality. And how amazing is that? So once we tune into this energy of our nafsha, our higher self, this aspect of us that is wired and connected to our divine source energy, that we start creating differently. We start creating from a space of self-love, self-reverence. And, and this isn't like an egoic self-reverence. This now takes the, the imaging faculties from looking without and letting that inform who I am, that now I am visioning internally inside of me, coming from this source, the space of source. And now I'm creating from the inside out. And that's a totally different energy. Totally different energy. To know that I am a little tiny drop, a little aspect of source. And so are you, we have, we have so much power in us to create these beautiful lives that we want to create what we want to manifest what we want as expressions of source. And so the nafsha is our soulful self or the soul, if you want to call it that. And when Yeshua said love, he didn't say love your neighbor as yourself. He said, love your neighbor as your own nafsha. And love your own nafsha means to know exactly who you are and to take responsibility on all levels for that aspect of source that you are. And that it really ignites this feeling of inner reverence. And that inner reverence extends not just from me, but to all human beings, to everything on the planet. I look at it in reverence and awe that it's an aspect of the creative source manifest into this 3D printer world we live in, which is what I call the world. It's like a giant vibrational 3D printer. So the nafsha is yourself that is connected to source that you have direct access to. So let's talk about how to have access to your nafsha. So the nafsha works through the will of the human being. The nafsha communicates to us by sending us messages of conflict to our conscious mind. And these, these arise in promptings, which are feelings you might feel anxiety, stress, uneasiness. You could have warning dreams. You could have discontent. You could feel unrestful. You could get a, a twinge of anxiety. And this is your body's way, your nafsha's way of sending a warning signal to you because we have three brains in our body. We don't just have the head brain. We also have a heart brain, which has neurons. And we also have a gut brain, which also has neurons. So we have three brains and we just haven't been taught how to use the other two. In fact, we were taught to stop using them when we were children and to stop trusting ourselves. But when you ignore the warning signs that come from your nafsha, then that's an improper use of the will. 
Because the will is what we will to do. Our will is what drives us forward into action. So when we ignore the messages from our nafsha, when we talk ourselves out of our intuition, when we talk ourselves out of acting on an instinct or prompting, then we start to shut off that signaling. We start to, we start to disconnect ourselves from what those signals are and we aren't consciously aware of them anymore, but they do still register unconsciously. So when we are in conflict between the personal self, which is our egoic self, our self-identity in our body and our nafsha, it manifests as dis-ease. Dis-ease. I, I love the word disease because it is dis-ease and it manifests as um exhaustion, headaches, um, stomach aches. I mean, anything, anything, high blood pressure, tension, all of these things are your body's way of wanting attention. And they're, they're, it's trying to talk to you and tell you because the body's job is to be a, a, our body is really a frequency device, right? That we can think of ourselves as this amazingly alive, tuning device that can also create and we receive messages from the universe as in the form of ideas and we send messages to the universe and to others through the use of our hands through our words through our tone of voice in so many ways and what we create right so we can really think of it that way and that our our um body's natural response is wholeness or whole-i-ness that I call it. Holiness is H-O-L-E-I-ness, your holiness, to return back to the wholeness of yourself, the wholeness of your being. And the nafsha is, the nature of the nafsha is love and goodwill and creative expression. And this is a, a universal, unconditional love for the creator for our source and for ourselves and for all human beings that we are surrounded by. And when we are in touch with our nafsha, we take responsibility for our actions. We take responsibility for our reactions and to step out of reaction and step into response. And if you write down the word right now, write down the word reactor, R-E-A-C-T-O-R, which the which to be a reactor is just to do the same thing over and over again. It's to be triggered by trauma responses versus being a creator, which is the exact same letters. And so I always say a reactor is a creator who got all mixed up that we don't know. We don't know. And we learn how to protect ourselves at a very young age for fear, fear of being rejected. Everything is rooted in fear when it comes down to it, fear of rejection, Fear of disappointment, fear of being a failure, fear of being seen. We all have these fears that we made agreements with our ego, with our body to protect ourselves from. So the nafsha is your soul. It's the higher self and its job is to keep the body, mind and emotions in balance and harmony. And it keeps us in harmony with everything and with the whole universe. Isn't that beautiful? 
So when we think of the nafsha, it's so much more than a soul. And we can understand it from a quantum physics point of view now that we do live in a field, a conscious field that is alive, that they've, they said is the universe consciousness itself is the universe conscious because of the fact that everything exists in a state of pure potentiality until someone comes along and collapses that reality to become manifest. And that that someone is us. It's you. It's me. And so when we really learn to take this power and harness this power that we have, that's the first step. That's the first step is to discover the truth about you and start telling yourself a true story that you are an extension and and an expression of source creator itself. And I feel like that's what waking up is. That's what awakening is, is that you start to wake up to, wow, I'm so much more. You start to feel this energy of something pulling and calling you forward into being more than you are right now. And when I say more than you are right now, it's not from an ego point of view. It's an energetic feeling. It's a vibrational being. It's a vibrational way of being and showing up to be more love, more creative, more expression, And you could probably hear those blowers outside of my house and they drive me insane, but I'm ignoring them. (laughs) So I think that's enough for today. And the, my invitation to you is to really just sit in that energy of knowing that you are of source and even reciting a mantra. And my mantra I like to say is I am one with source. I am holy. I am one with source. I am holy. I am one with source. I am holy. I am one with source. I am very holy. And you can spell holy if that word bothers you. You could spell it W-H-O-L-E dash I. I'm a whole I. I'm a whole self. I'm not just a fragment of my ego living a very tiny projection based on fear. I am a whole I living from the inside out with my energy rooted in knowing that I am powerful, that I am creative, that I'm a creator, that what I think about and focus on is a reflection of who I think I am. I am one with source. I am very holy. Sending you so much love until next week when we'll be back with part two of The Way of Mastery. Be blessed. I'll see you soon. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to We Woke Up Like This. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you are listening to this podcast. Oh, and don't forget to drop us a comment and ask a question. And go to wewokeuplikethis.com to join the Soul Awakened community. See you next time. Bye.